Welcome to Talking Giants Player Profiles and Projections. It's PPP season. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick, And that means for the fourth year in a row, the first one is going to be the longest-tenured Giant on the roster, and that is wide receiver Sterling Shepard. Now, we get straight into these on the PPPs. We, we, we skip any banter, but it's the first one, and damn, I am excited to be back in the training camp. It's one episode every single weekday for the next six weeks. We're going to do 18 PPP episodes, um, 12 regular episodes. I'm very excited. Undecided on what's going to happen with St- Sterling Shepard this year. It's kind of a, he's a big question mark to start these off with. Hey, Bobby Skinner. Yeah, before we get into Sterling Shepard, I want to say my little spiel too. Um, can't believe we made it, man. We're, we're here. It's PPP season. It's my um, favorite time of the year. There's not a lot of traditions that we have as Giants fans these days because traditions typically imply things celebrating. Not a lot of traditions that we have as Giants fans that very much imply things like on the football field or related to the team. We have a lot of traditions that talk in Giants that we celebrate that we've created as a show, but I'm kind of glad that the tradition that we celebrate, we can marry between a talk and Giants tradition and an on-field tradition, is that Sterling Shepard is still here and we can kick off our PPP season with him. Yeah, and you know what? At the end of the season, it felt like we wouldn't be starting off with Sterling Shepard. You know, yeah. he, like he is the longest tenure giant by two years, going into year seven. And at 29 years old, he's coming off an Achilles tear, an Achilles tear, which is a season-ending injury that he suffered in week 15. Like it really felt like when that happened, like oh, this is this is it for Sterling Shepard yeah. as a giant. It would make sense to cut him with the cap space they're in. But the Giants took his cap savings and turned it into a four point two uh, million dollar void year in two thousand twenty three. So they, um, he's not he's not costing anything extra on the cap than what his dead cap already was, and the Giants valued bringing him back. Yeah, and it's also important to note that it's his worst st- statistical season too of his NFL career that he's coming off of as Least well. Least amount of games played. It was it, you know at twenty nine years old. Um, but here's why I kind of like bringing back Shepard. Sterling Shepard is the one player who didn't let Jason Garrett hold him back on the offense. You know, besides offensive linemen, you know, where the scheme didn't change too much, at least for the, like, Andrew Thomas didn't let Jason Garrett hold him back, even though his O-line coach and Mark Colombo held him back a little bit. But Shep is the one player who didn't let Jason Garrett hold him back. You know, he led the Giants in yards per game the last two seasons with 52 and 55, you know, which were, um, you know, not the best of his career. In fact, they were the worst besides his rookie year. But, like, he played well in the Jason Garrett offense. You know, and, and if you look at it with Daniel Jones, like, he was Daniel Jones' best wide receiver both years. You know, uh, you know, three three full games with Daniel Jones last year. He had 26 catches, 283 yards, and a touchdown. That's 8.7 catches and 94 yards per game. His catch rate in 2021 with Daniel Jones, 74%. That was down from 80% in 2020 with yeah, Daniel Jones. <laughs> he has been the Giants' chain mover. And, like, they're really the bright, the only but consistent bright spot on offense when he's played has been Sterling Shepard. Like, he's been extremely reliable. He's been a good route runner. He understands, t- like, his timing is perfect. And I think that's why he, he worked with Jason Garrett is because it's such a timing offense. Well, Shepard's the guy you can trust. Like, he's the most trustworthy wide receiver when he's on the field, Justin. Remember those first three games of the season that he had to start off? Like, you know, yeah, Kenny Galladay was doing okay, and we were waiting for that big breakout game from him. But the offense was somewhat moving well, especially after that Washington game. Offense was moving well. It was because of Sterling Shepard. There was a big 37-yard touchdown that 
Um, Shep had against Denver uh, week one, 15 catches of 10 or more yards Shep had this year. Nine of them came in the first three weeks of the season. So Sterling Shepard, through the first three weeks of the season, very small sample size, it looked like he was about to have like this career year. And there has only been one player that no matter what the system, his role has stayed the same and it has not been impacted, like you said, by Jason Garrett. And that is Sterling Shepard. He is that one player that no matter the offense, Shermer or Garrett, Shepard's role has stayed the same. I would say like his role as far as like, you know, like the way he plays has stayed the same. But, you know, obviously they moved him out of the slot and then back into it. Yeah. Um. But this past year coming off 36 catches, 366 yards and, and one touchdown. We're like, oh, bad season, but it's just he missed games. He only played seven games in the 17-game season. That's the most games he missed um, his entire career, and that's crazy to think for a guy who has missed a lot of games. We're going to talk about his injuries in a second. But him and Daniel Jones just had good like, good timing. You know, like you said, when the Giants' offense was moving the ball at those after those first couple games, one of my takes was like Sterling Shepard and Daniel Jones' connection is hiding blemish. Like the blemishes of the Jason Garrett offense are still there, but Daniel Jones and Jason and, and Sterling Shepard – just had a great connection. Their timing was perfect. I mean, they were completing some tough passes. Yeah. You know, and I'm not talking about, you know, 50 yards down the field, like 12-yard passes. Like, no. man, that's Shepherd's, a tough pass. Shepard's separation numbers were down, too, by the way, and I don't really blame Shep on that. I just blame it as, you know, Garrett. Garrett's offense never really breeded any kind of separation. Um, but he, well, he was completing a lot more of these contested catches, and it's surprising to see, you know, Sterling Shepard, this kind of possession-wide receiver, not a tall guy, not a big guy. You know, he the, the connection that him and Jones have is just, it, it's insane. It, it is absolutely insane. Remember we had a debate, um, and I kind of want to give myself credit since uh, you're always praised up to be the smart guy around here. Remember we had a debate on who's more important to Daniel Jones's development, Sterling Shepard or Darius Slayton? You said Slayton, I said Shepard. Remember that? I said, who should they invest in more going oh, forward? Oh, which okay. is still a TBD. If you know Slayton has a good year, you bring him back next year. Not two great um, answers, but, but to part be of that is injuries, though. You know, part of that is injuries, and that is the big. That's the talking point with Sterling Shepard in this training camp. Yes, last year he was the best. Like thing you heard out of the training camp, it was like Sterling Shepard looks really good, looks really good, and it translated onto the field when he played. But he had four injuries that led to missing games in 2021. One was the same injury that got re-aggravated, but there was four times where he left the game injured and didn't play the next week. Four times. In seven seasons as the New York Giants had 13 injuries, if you include training camp injuries like the broken thumb in 2019. Like he is just... That's really the the talking point with Sterling Shepard right now, and and we'll talk about bringing him back. Is how does he play, and how much does he play, and what and what's the role? Like what what are they expecting out of Sterling Shepard? Are they is he just a bonus to what they have planned on offense because of the injury issues, or is are they going into this year like no? Like I know he's coming off injuries, but he's going to be a big part of the offense. So heading into this PPP, I didn't exactly know what Sterling Shepard's timeline is, and I still don't think we all know definitively. So here's what I was able to dig up. In March, Joe Shane said that August was when they were circling Sterling Shepard to be back. What does back mean? I don't know. But then a better update is May, Joe Shane said that Sterling Shepard was still ready and projected to be back by the start of training camp. And that was in May when he when Joe Shane was on WFAN. 
With those comments, I expect him to play week one, though. Yeah, like from Joe, I mean, he like should. Those aren't nothing comments. I, I expect him to be ready to go for week one if there's no setbacks. Yeah, I mean, he, he should. Um, You know, I feel like I've seen people, oh, he's going to be out till October, November. It's like, no, like, Joe Shane's saying that he should be ready. So it's not like he he should play week one. So here's here's the question, Bobby Skinner. What are you expecting Sterling Shepard's stat line to be this year? What are you expecting Sterling Shepard to be this year? <sighs> If we're talking on a per game status, you know, I'll, you know, think, you know, six catches, you know, 60 yards or 58 yards per game, you know, kind of on pace with what he's done for the majority of his career. Um, Do you think that there's a part of you that looks at Sterling Shepard and says at this point in his career, because of the injuries, who knows how he's going to come back from the Achilles injury too, which is that the same injury that, uh, is that the same injury that Lorenzo Carter suffered last year too, when he came back, he was a little sluggish. So who knows how he's going to come out out of the gate where Sterling Shepard was not really a wide receiver that got you a lot of yards after the catch. He's a very good route runner, the best route runner on the team and understood how to get open that way. But in a way, in a system that is going to be a lot more schematic based, I almost want Wandell getting out there, getting those manufactured touches. You definitely want Tony out there over Sterling Shepard. So like, even though Shepard has this great connection with Jones – do you really want him taking a lot of reps away from Wandale and then forget about Tony? You do not want him taking away reps from Tony. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see how this coaching staff views it because I think you could you could realistically be like, hey, I'm looking at this wide receiver room as Galladay, Tony, Wandale, and Slayton as the four guys who are going to play, and what we get from Shep is a bonus. You know, they moved his you know money to avoid you, so it's not like they're spending money this year to keep him around you know but they're spending money next year and that's the thing in my brain i love sterling shepherd he's one of my favorite players uh he he has to be every giants fan's favorite player the last couple years just because of the heart that he gives the effort that he gives and he is a good ball player when he's out there but they did keep him this year and he and if he finishes the year with like the same stat line that he finished with last year which is like 35 catches i don't really feel like the 4.2 million dollar void year is worth it Unless you are viewing Sterling Shepard as just this role player who we want as a veteran presence, but you're still spending $4.2 million next year for the sake of having him on the roster this year. So I have a feeling it could be one of those tough, we're looking at it now, like, oh yeah, they saved money keeping him this year, but he could finish this year with the same stat line as he did last year. And I have a feeling we may be looking back on it saying, was it really worth it? Well, I think that's what it comes down to because obviously they, they're they healthy in cap space after this year. Um, so even if it's not worth it, it's not going to it's not gonna hamper them from doing anything in 2023. But I think it comes down to, does he play seven games like last year and then leaving games early in those seven games? Or does like the, you know, the first part of his career, does he play 12, 11, 13? You know, two seasons. He played two full seasons in 2016 and 18. Um, played 11, 10, 12, and then seven this past year. So if you get 12 games out of him, yes, I do think it's worth it. You know, because you 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 did save money this year when you need the cap space. Yep. You know, if if they were if they didn't do the void year and just kept him on the contract, then they'd be like, no, this isn't worth it. Um. So I think it comes down to like the amount of games he plays. Um. And if he can, if he looks similar to himself, like yep. I, I I don't know how he's gonna look. Now let's talk about him just playing on in this offense. He moved to the outside after the Odell Beckham Jr. trade, played there, um, and played well there. Like his numbers in the slot and outside were similar. In fact, they w- were a little bit better in games where he played mostly on the outside. 
This past year went back to the slot in 2021. Like I think I have the He played uh it was the in 2021 67%. Yeah, it was the first time he took more than 50% of the snaps on the in the slot since 2018. Yeah, in the years before 35%, 44% and then even in 2018 he played a, a decent amount on the outside uh when Odell was out. So um you know he's he's he can, you can move him in both, but you're on an offense that has Kadarius Tony who some viewed as a slot wide receiver. Wandale, who's definitely going to be a slot guy. The way I look at it is Galladay and Tony are outside guys. You know, and again, these they're going to move around. They're all going to get slot reps. You know, it's not just, you know, line up in the Pitching same 11 yeah. personnel every time. But I think at least the start, you give you give Shep the slot reps. Like, I think you you do it kind of the same way they had it based last year, where it's Tony's at, Tony Galladay outside, Shep in the slot, and then you bring Wandale along as you need to and again you can't bet on health for all these guys so i don't think we have to worry about will wandale get playing time going into week one training camp because this stuff it works itself out galladay can miss games so it's like if galladay misses a game you you got shep playing on the outside wandale on the slot tony's out you move shep on the outside wandale on the slot you know and then when everything all things are equal it's like you're moving shep and wandale on the slot and you're just you're giving snaps to every guy all the guys and putting them everywhere besides yeah. Galladay mostly on the outside yeah even always though I do want some big out. slot reps for him always works itself out like you said <sighs> all right do we got anything else on Sterling Shepard no no excited that that Shep is still here um hope that he's out there hope that he plays and hope that we look back on this season saying glad that he was able to stay stick around for another year because he is a guy that absolutely does deserve it yeah all right next Aaron Robinson. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, before we get to our Aaron Robinson PPP, very pumped and excited to announce that Bear Burger Kitchen and Bar is going to be our 2022 training camp sponsor. That's right, they're going to be sponsoring the PPPs. They're going to be sponsoring our live streams from training camp. Really excited to have Bear Burger aboard. So if you come hang out with us for a day during training camp, you want to know where you got to go to afterwards. You got to go to Bear Burger. Ton of different options, ton of different locations around the tri-state area. Hope you can check them out because they have something for everyone. Yes, even you. They're a burger joint, but they aren't the type to be bogged down by the labels. There's only one dietary restrictions you'll be limited to. Food that's made to taste great. I can say, been there once, I had the bison burger, and if you're kind of getting bored by the typical chain, if you're getting bored by the typical kind of restaurant that, yeah, they have burgers, yeah, they have different sandwiches, things like that, Bear Burger pushes what is possible for a burger to the limit. You're not just going to get your cheeseburger, your regular hamburger with bacon on it. There's a ton of different options, and they push the limits of what burgers, cheeseburgers are supposed to be. I absolutely love it. So check out their happy hour. It's the best in New York City. 12 to 7 p.m. Monday through Friday. They have exotic burgers, elk burgers, ostrich burgers, and bison burgers. Click the link in our description to find yourself at your new favorite happy hour spot. Burger joint and luncheon. Bear Burger Kitchen and Bar. Click the link in our description. Thanks to Bear Burger for sponsoring our summer. Hey, sure. All right, let's talk about a guy who's very important to this team, and that is cornerback Aaron Robinson. Kind of the guy that has the most relying on him, that has done the least on the Giants right now. 
Like, who's a guy that we're just relying on the most that it's like, he's kind of unproven? I can't think of really anybody on, on this roster who it's like, we don't know exactly what we're going to get. But Aaron Robinson, 6'1", 193 pounds, the second-year player out of UCF. He was drafted in the third round. He was actually traded up for. Was on the pup list um, and didn't play for the Giants until week eight. So he missed all of training camp. This will be really his, his first training camp with the Giants. He was drafted to be a big nickel. A lot of teams are looking for those big nickels now, but seems to be headed for the outside. Even though you would think you think of him as a nickel corner, he played on the outside fifty six percent of the time in the majority. Uh, uh, the majority of those, he had four games where he had starter reps. Three out of those four, he was playing on the outside. Justin, yeah, ninety two snaps in the slot total last year, one hundred forty nine snaps out wide for Aaron Robinson, and Aaron Robinson really came back and the first notable game where I remember being really impressed with them is that Miami game and he is making plays against Jalen Waddell he's making plays inside the end zone in the red zone against 6-6 Mike Gusecki he is being physical he's flying around the football field he's allowing catches yes but he's positioning himself well so after that game I kind of fell head over heels for Aaron Robinson simply because we were at a point in the season with Mike Lennon where, you know, we're kind of just looking for something or somebody to root for. So Aaron Robinson became that kind of guy. And it is crazy how much we are relying on him when that Miami game was the only game where he played 100% of the snaps. And then the rest of the games that he played in was 67% and then 58% and lower for the rest of the snaps. So we like Aaron Robinson. Aaron Robinson is a guy that I am rooting for, but... Would be lying to you if I'm not scared about what could happen when he's starting full time on the outside as a CB2. When we were going at, you know, you go through players at the end of the year and you see Aaron Robinson got 43% of the snaps last year. Surprise. I was blown away. I was like, it doesn't feel like that. It feels like he got, <laughs> no. you know, 23%. Like that's, that's what it felt like he played at like a quarter of the season, you know, and, and those 43% of the snaps. So essentially, you know, right now he's slated to play twice that amount. Um, and as advanced stats, you know, opposing QBs, 19 of 30, 204 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions, 10 and a half yards per catch, 6.8 yards per attempt. Similar to, basically very similar to what Darnay Holmes' numbers were last year, but he's a very different player. And that's why you think he can go outside and play outside a little bit. And like you said, he did play outside of the Miami and looked all right. Even the Chargers game, he, uh, he looked decent for the most of it playing on the outside. There was a speedy wide receiver that they have, I believe, Goodson. Guyton. Guyton, excuse me, uh, Guyton, number 15, um, really like known as their speedy wide receiver. And, you know, he was keeping right in the hip pocket, understanding that he's got to push these guys out to the sideline, you know, pressure them out by the sideline. Um, so he, he had some good, he had some good reps against him. Yeah. So, I mean, this will t- partly talking about like his college scouting report and then what we saw from the giants, I think held up pretty good. Like what we, what we thought of him obviously he has to develop, but they didn't jam him a much, a bunch um, but he did do well when they pressed him up. You know, he has to be better with the release, but he does stay in the, if he doesn't, you know, totally lose the release, release, he stays in that hip pocket. And again, before we knew they wouldn't have another outside cornerback, um, outside of Adora Jackson, like Aaron Robinson was one of those guys, like, man, this guy's going to fit what Wink Martindale does. Like, he plays man coverage. He's physical. He's going to come play up and, and fit the run game. Like, that's why, that's why Patrick Graham and the Giants wanted him. Yep. You know, he's very involved in the run, moving off blocks and laying hits. Like, he's, he's, the perfect guy for that big nickel role, you know, so teams, you know, teams are looking to cover big slots, tight ends at times and fit up in the run game. You know, he's six foot one, uh, you know, and, and he's a very physical player. So it's, 
but it really is the a big projection on what Aaron Robinson is going to be. You know, I know on these episodes we're supposed to tell you what's going to happen, but this is one guy where it's it's just a huge question mark of what we're going to get out of Aaron Robinson. I'm I'm excited for it though. Like he he is the guy whose stock can drop or raise the most this all this year. Like you can because he's going to have a huge role no matter what, and the expectation of him right now is a question mark. I am nervous that. We are going to see a few explosive plays allowed by Aaron Robinson this year. If Wink Martindale does want to play, you know, press man, if he wants to play man coverage, uh, it's not that Aaron Robinson doesn't have the the long speed, but you know, just saw a few times last year of guys getting in front of him, front of him a little bit. But what, yeah, lose the release. But what you feel good about is the short area quickness. You feel good about the physicality and you feel good about his ability to make a play on the football. So even if he is lacking behind, we're not playing that many great quarterbacks this year. You know, Dak Prescott is obviously on the schedule. Aaron Rodgers is on the schedule. Lamar Jackson's on the schedule, but we're not playing that many great quarterbacks this year. And if you want to beat Aaron, Aaron Robinson on a long ball, got to make sure it's in the right spot because Aaron Robinson is going to close in on a football, make a play. And that's what I really like about, you know, him. And with playing with more pressure, like that aggressiveness plays, and that's why, you know, we said he's a great fit for Wink Martindale. But again, like as far as, like you said, him getting beat deep at times, even though there wasn't like those big completions, it's he loses the release at times. Well, guess what? Teams are going to get the ball out. And if he doesn't lose the release, he's right there. Yep. You know, he's not getting lost on double moves or curl routes or, or crossers or did well against some some crossers last year, too. I know the Chargers tried to run some crossers over the middle of the field. He stayed right in the hip pocket again. Yeah, and they didn't put him in man a ton, but when he did, like he's good at working from that outside leverage to get inside on those in break on those in breakers. So, um, I'm excited and terrified for Aaron Robinson all at the same time. You know, last year we had a great cornerback situation where you had James Bradbury at cornerback one, and then allowed Adore Jackson to play by far the best year of his seat career. But now you slide Adore over to one. Now Aaron Robinson's the two, and we're kind of back in the situation that we were in 2019, where you've got a good corner as your cornerback one, Janoris Jenkins and Adore Jackson, maybe not the best for the CB1 spot. And then cornerback two is a big question mark. But let's let's do this exercise really, really quick, Bobby Skinner. Because yes, like being apprehensive about what Aaron Robinson could be as CB2 is very, very much worth it. But let's do this exercise on how uh, much, uh, how scared we should be. 2020, our CB2 was Corey Ballantyne. You would rather have Aaron Robinson. Much more so. 2019, DeAndre Baker. You would rather have Aaron Robinson, especially considering that Aaron Robinson is in the scheme that DeAndre Baker would have loved to be in. <laughs> yeah, if we're looking at hindsight, right now we'd say Aaron Robinson, but at the time I would have definitely said DeAndre Baker. Um, you know, and we can, we might be at the end of this year being like, you know, at least Andre Andre Baker was better than Aaron Robinson. Like Baker started playing well towards the end of that year, um, so I, I want to stay in the moment. If it's going into Week One, I would have much rather have Andre Baker than Aaron Robinson. And then 2018, 2017, you have Eli Apple. 2017 rookie year, Eli Apple. Yeah, yeah, you're, you'd rather take Aaron Robinson. Eli yeah. Apple is is horrible. You know, he, he, Aaron Robinson played better than Eli Apple did last year. Um, you know, so. Uh, it's kind of crazy. You know, I, I kind of like Lou Anarumo uh, as a defensive coordinator for the Bengals. Like, he did some good stuff with not the greatest parts. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. but He needs to stay healthy, though, too. Like, I think it, we talked about with Shep, injuries are – like, he had a little bit of an injury. You know, he missed the game last year, 
after um, coming back, he missed, uh, you know, the first seven weeks of the season, all a training camp. Um, now him having a training camp is going to be good for him, but he needs to stay healthy. Yeah. Um, because if he plays decent, if he just plays decent and he's healthy, this defense will over exceed our expectations. If he plays decent and isn't healthy, then it's going to be a really bad defense, you know. And if he plays bad, then it's going to be a really bad defense. Like the, the, he kind of is the hinge of this defense. We kind of know what we've got all around. Obviously, Kayvon, how would how well does he play as a rookie? Is Z's second year? What is he able to produce? Um, inside linebacker two is a little bit of a question at the moment uh, in the safety position. But really, the biggest the biggest decider of this defense to me really is this is Aaron Robinson. How well does he play on the outside? Because that can really make or break the Giants' season. You know, that can be the he can be the difference the difference between winning and losing games is how well does Aaron Robinson play. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Um, I hope he stays healthy, like you said, because I want him to be that physical kind of cornerback that plays. Like, you look at Aaron Robinson, and he you know exudes that physicality. Wake Martindale is going to let him do that. I'm just as excited to see him have pass breakups and maybe some interceptions. Just as excited to see him in the run game and how he is able to you know stop guys like in screens and stop yeah, he's guys. he's really good in the run game come up and play the run game you know if teams do want to run screens because maybe the Giants are a little bit of aggressive a little bit aggressive and they blitz a lot right well Aaron Robinson's gonna be there and he's gonna you know he's gonna stop guys near the line of scrimmage I'm just as excited to see that and I also trust Jerome Henderson with my life so Jerome Henderson work your cornerback magic please and you mentioned the run game man that stuff really matters especially as the NFL gets to more spread out like the cornerbacks are a part of the run game like they really are they can be the difference between um, you know, a 25-yard gain and a tackle for a loss when teams yep. are trying to get outside the tackles. They really can't. Um, so Aaron Robinson is good in that. Like we know Aaron Robinson's good at that, you know, shedding blocks when they run in a bubble screen at him, um, you know, and just coming up and fitting in the run game. So Aaron Robinson, I'm excited and petrified to see what you are this year. So hopefully, hopefully this time next year, we're talking about, you know, what a, a good season he had and building on it. So, all right, Justin, anything else? Nope. Be a dude, Aaron Robinson. Good uh, good hair. Good hair you got. Very good hair. All right, that's our PPP number one. Again, we will be back every single weekday for the next six weeks. 18 PPPs, 12 regular episodes. Our Camp Position Battle episode is tomorrow. Appreciate you guys. Until tomorrow, let's go Big Blue.